Hi, I'm D. Vicente Kepri, a man of international perspective and a fascination of how money flows throughout our world. Welcome to the fifth of many cents I'm going to discuss in this series of Making Sense with Cinti. On this episode, I'm going to discuss the four horsemen of happiness. Chemicals in your brain have a massive impact on your financial fitness, not to mention your overall sense of well-being, from our wallets to our valuable time. We'll explore how learning about the four chemicals that your body produces naturally can lead to greater prosperity and overall happiness. So as I was growing up, um, I didn't really understand how chemicals would drive my life. And what I mean by that is uh, I didn't understand their role in my mood, in my thought processes, in my performance as a student or an employee it became um or it was it just wasn't something that was like taught to me or or stressed to me you know as a as a student or an employee or i mean don't get me wrong like every other every other american uh, child i'm sure you you know you went to biology class and you know you had physical education and and topics like this, you you learned about things, but it's interesting when you take data, you take information, and then you're able to see how that plugs into your life. And so, what I mean by that is, we have there's there are these four horsemen. I call them horsemen because they are drivers. They 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 charge into battle to to help you or they they explore the front lines. These guys are powerful chemicals in your body that your body naturally produces. And what they they have just massive impact on your every single day, every overall sense of well-being, your happiness, your your how uh, everything from how you eat to how you study to I mean, tiny little things you do, how you express uh, emotion and love and things like that. So um, when I came upon these, I slowly came upon these, but I, and I'd always kind of been aware of them. I heard about them, things like that, but how they actually would influence my life and how I could use them or hack them to be able to uh, drive me, propel me forward is something of a, a recent discovery. And I may be late to this game. I mean, I, I get it. I'm the, the, the amount of information out there on the internet, these, these kids can just get this information, plug it into their life and, and they're, you know, they off they go. And so maybe that's the, this is like part of the reason for such exponential growth of, of successes or this um, progressive growth in success in successful companies or whatever. Maybe they're seeing this and they, they're already aware of it and they're using it to their advantage. And this is what's probably been holding me back, you know, in, in, uh, in certain endeavors or whatever, or maybe holding you back. And, um, what I mean by this is, all right, let's, let's discuss these four, these four horsemen, these four chemicals, um, the happy chemicals, they call them, I don't really like to call them happy chemicals because, um, not that they don't only do happiness, they do other things. And so, um, Let's, uh, st- I want to start with the, the first one. Um, I, actually, before I go to that, before I go to that. So I recently had a situation with my, with my family 
that would end up rocking um, the boat a bit. It ended up uh, shaking the family. And my family is generally a very tight-knit family. I mean, I have a large family. I have three brothers, three sisters, and and my parents have been married since, you know, I, I don't know, right out of high school or whatever, or in their early 20s. And so my, but my family's always generally been close. In fact, as far as uh, the family goes, I am probably the member of the family that is the farthest separated, the least involved. And I'm not going to lie, this is, uh, hasn't, hasn't cost me. I'm not going to sit here and say that this hasn't cost me anything. This isn't, this hasn't, you know, directly led to, uh, unhappinesses in my life or, or imbalances in my life. But, um, ever since I was a child, I have had large, this, this overdrive in the back of my head and this overdrive that would, it, it would wake me up in the middle of the night even as a child. And it would, it would, when I would listen to older people talk, I would sit back and I'm, I would listen to them and I could sit there and I would take what they were saying and I would try to fit it in all the different pieces and, and look at it from all the different angles. And I spent many, many hours, even by myself, analyzing what, what older people had, had said or things that I had read or, um, obviously your, your primary educators are going to be like, you know, your parents, your mom, your dad, but I had, I had, uh, older siblings as well. I mean, I had three older brothers and older sister, all of which that I looked up to and, um, listened to one time or another for guidance and direction, because, you know, as a child, these are the people that know much more than you. And, and so they must have done something right because they managed to get three years down the road than you have and, and still survive. So, <laughs> but anyway, um, so my family's been, has been very uh, generally a close one. And, um, but I've noticed as we've aged, like being on this perspective on the outside, kind of looking in on my family, like I said, I'm the, kind of the more standoffish distance one. Um, I live farther away than, uh, than most of the members of my family. Um, although I have a brother in Ireland, he lives pretty far away, but I, I've always had this sense that he's, you know, even more involved than I am, even though I'm, I, I only live a couple states away, but the, um, but anyway, I so having this outside perspective looking in, I I see this uh, as my family has aged. I it's it's a strange dynamic where you go and you're watching your siblings. You know, one you're playing around in your parents' living room to to uh, you know having to handle life as teenagers, then handling life as young adults, and handling life with children, and then it's it's interesting to watch, but. Um, but what I want to specifically get is, or touch on is mental, uh, and emotional imbalances. I've experienced this in my own life. I'm, I've deployed, uh, to Iraq and Afghanistan. I was, uh, in the U S army and deployed and these, these moments caused extreme, um, imbalances in my life and strife 
and you know eventually led in, to divorce not the primary cause of divorce but it, it led to it and and so but anyway this instance recently that had happened it it really shook me to my core about a desire to understand what propels people to do certain things and how the medical industry is addressing this and how chemicals that can be prescribed can be can really cause you to or cause enhancements and imbalance I meaning it can really amplify the imbalances in that's that one may be even suffering and so i'm so this caused me to like go on this studying like rampage like i'm just like trying to absorb every bit of information that i could possibly find on um stabilizing the mood to killing pain to you know feeling loved to you know feeling rewarded all these these four primary drivers that i found um i, I want to learn everything i could about them and when you study um, these types of uh, experiences that humans can go through, it makes you reflect on your own life. And I tried to look back at the, the earliest memory that I could find of the most intense pain that I could remember. And this was, uh, I was about 16 years old and I had this girlfriend and she had, you know, it's your first love. You imagine you're going to be together forever and you absolutely just worship that person and, and they worship you and you're just caught up in this, this romantic <laughs> childhood love that, that burns so, so powerfully hot and Anyway, she ended up falling in love with my my best friend at the time, one of my best friends at the time, and um, I remember we were sitting on a bus stop, and and I, you know, she was telling me how she was having feelings for him, and and I I man, I was I was kind of a weak guy, I you know, we a weak kid at the time, like I I was this kid that was really concerned for overall happiness. I was. I mean, I want to say weak, but, and maybe this is actually the true testament that I showed that I loved her, but I told her I wanted her to leave me and go for, for him because I wanted her happiness was more important to me. And, and so I, I was like, you know, it, I, I can only be the only one and I want you to go, go with this guy and be happy. And so she accepted and she walked off crying and, and I remember as she was walking away, every step she took, it was like there was a hook down inside of my soul. And every step that she was, she would take, that hook would rip out of me, like the gills of a fish would rip out of me more and more and more of, of my soul. And my heart was, I, I, I didn't feel like a breaking of my heart. I felt like an emptying of my spirit, an emptying of my being. And when I couldn't see her anymore, 
there was this hollow, gaping, it felt physically hollow inside of me. Like, I can only imagine childbirth where the child and amniotic fluid is all gone. You had this, like, I can only imagine feeling there's this space that is all filled up physically. Um, and then it's, it's absolutely removed. Um, if you can imagine that, that's what this felt like. It, this massive hole was, was left. And I was, my brain was going a million miles an hour trying to find, throw anything inside of this hole. But the pain was so searing and intense and, and it radiated throughout my entire body. And this, I thought this pain would, would, uh, you know, subside in a couple hours or maybe even a day or whatnot. But after my, another best friend picked me up from the police station because I, because I got arrested because someone thought I was going to kill myself. <laughs> I was on the payphone calling my, <laughs> calling my best friend. Hey, you know, um, she's left me. I need a ride. I need you to come pick me up. And the, <laughs> the gas station employee, heard this and called the police and the police were happened to be in the vicinity due to a car accident. Anyway, they finished the car accident, scooped me up <laughs> and the, the police officer, as we're driving to the police station, he's, he tells me, you know, women are like, women are like, uh, buses. They, there's always another one that comes along in 15, 20 minutes. I was like, I was so mad at him. I was so mad. I'm like, you didn't, you don't even know, man. You don't even know. Like our love was true. We were supposed to be together forever. And anyway, um, fast forward a couple days. My best friend sat with me, he sat by my side the whole time. Uh, man, I'll love him forever for doing that. I can't, I've never seen anyone do that before. Then or since like this, that guy put an impression on me, but he helped me know, like dumb the pain down know that pain out and he just sat there and but because what I was going through was so intense it lasted I think I think it was about six weeks I think it was a month and a half that I was I at least I remember ask him he might might say it was a couple days but I'm it was more than that it was it, it had been like six weeks I was debilitated I was filling this hole was impossible and the pain was so excruciatingly intense the only thing that um i could do to to numb it in order to process that pain was we would play video game or he would play video games i would just watch or put on um, you know a movie or whatever put throw on a tape cassette and watch a movie or whatnot anyway it was it was just momentary pain killing it was like a band-aid but it did help in the sense that it allowed me a small distraction so my I could I could try to overcome this emotional trauma. But my my point is is that there is a chemical that numbs this pain naturally in us. And this chemical is endorphins. I'm sure you've heard of it. And when when doctors want to numb pain, they they invent or they derive chemicals out of natural plants they they go after or synthesize synthetic chemicals to in order to numb this pain in order to influence the um, endorphin uh, receptors in our body 
But then I realized that I was doing this naturally. I wasn't taking any medication. I wasn't going to a guru. I wasn't going to church. I wasn't reading the Bible or praying. I was, I was, my, my brain and my body was doing this naturally. It was, it was slowly over time, um, killing this pain. And having learned about this chemical, I, I look back at my life and my childhood and I realized that I have been very blessed in the sense that, um, I was born and raised in a pretty stable home, relatively stable and, um, with very loving affectionate parents. And, you know, that shielded me from a lot of the traumas of, of life, um, that, that could happen. And so I, I wasn't too intimately familiar with endorphins and I got regular, regular doses of, um, endorphins being released to kill whatever minor little pains that I had experienced. And I realized that this isn't, this might not be that normal today. Uh, children grow up and people are raised and they might be endorphin deficient. They're not getting the endorphin drip that, or enough endorphins, uh, release in their system to cause their, to cause themselves to be able to manage the pain that they're suffering. Uh, they're going through even as small children. Um, this first horseman is, he is a killer, man. This is the painkiller. Endorphin, you can see him as an angel of, of release, releasing that pain, or you can see him as an angel of death to numb you. But this, this horseman is, is very, very powerful. And if you are struggling with pain in your life, I want you to understand that, um, there's a lot you can do to naturally manage that pain. And I'll I'll just go over a couple things that release endorphins. I mean, you can do a quick Google search and you're going to come up with long lists of different, different things you can do, you know, to, uh, release endorphins. One of them is laughter and not just laughter. Like you don't have to like, you might be, I mean, you might be just joking or, or, or not joking, but you might just be depressed or whatnot. And, and you know, not everything's that, that funny, but even just pretend laughing, your brain doesn't know your body doesn't know that you're just pretending. It doesn't know. You even just, it's like in the military, they say fake motivation is better than no motivation. And I, when I very first got in, I'm like, why, why are we saying this? Why, why is false motivation better than no motivation? And it was because after forcing yourself to feel motivated or to, to pretend to be motivated, it only took a couple of seconds until you were actually motivated your brain switches over and it's like, Oh sweet. We are really actually motivated. And so even just la- pretending to laugh releases endorphins. 
your brain's gonna go, oh yeah, we're just pretending. Then eventually it'll switch over. It's uh, when I say that, it's it's funny because when I say that, I mean I think of the uh, the movie The Joker, um, with uh, um, ja- Jacqueline Fer- uh, Phoenix. I probably slaughtered his name, but Mr. Phoenix, he plays the Joker, and he his laugh in that show, even though it that movie is uh, is about mental illness, it is it is a a heartbreaking film, but it is also kind of comical in a way because how he how he just finds what he's trying to do is just make people laugh but that releases endorphins it kills pain like things like um exercising so your your uh cardiovascular type exercising so you're lifting weights you know doing push-ups and set up things like this um when it's cardiovascular exercising, you you have massive amounts of endorphins. And don't get me wrong, people people are like, oh, I feel sore in the muscles later. But yes, that is true. But hormonally and, and chemically, you you have just had a massive endorphin release, and so it can numb the pain. And I tell you, I've used this for years. I've used this for years. When I got back, um, when I got out of the military, and I was going to uh, the VA. And they, they wanted to pump me up with a lot of chemicals. And I wasn't raised like that. I wasn't raised with pill popping and taking a whole bunch of chemicals to treat my, my issues. And I'm not saying there's not a place for that. I'm not saying there's not a place for that. But as it was explained to me my, by my therapist was that uh, chemicals are used as a momentary treatment. So it's basically a Band-Aid until... The individual has learned the coping techniques and the stress management techniques to deal with the issue naturally without the chemicals. And so I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to presume to be a doctor and know the most extreme cases. All What I have noticed and what I have seen is that a lot of people on pills, uh, on chemicals and prescriptions, they will go through these phases of... Uh, it will go through a phase where a doctor will prescribe them something it, and then eventually becomes not good enough because your body adapts. And then it has to go up. The, they ha, you have to get a stronger dose and then a stronger dose and then a stronger dose and then a stronger dose. And then eventually the dose is so strong, the doctor will try to change the medication and then go up the same ladder until all resources are exhausted. And then I've... I've had my friends come back and family members come back and tell me that their doctor has prescribed them to start an exercise program or something like, or something to this effect. And I'm like, legitimately, your doctor went through all these high powered, med- you know, prescription medications and it, it results to the next step is like an exercise program. Which makes me think that the exercise program was probably the, the, the best thing to do in the beginning. That brings me back to, so exercising regularly. I have used this because coming out of the military and uh, going through extreme traumas, being a police officer or, or being a, a firefighter or being a, a nurse uh, or, you know, in the, the, uh, in the surgical um, environment or, or, or paramedic environment, first responder, what, what have you, but seeing a lot of trauma, when you go through those things, you, you are going to come out with PTSD. You're going to come out with trauma that needs to be dealt with. And, um, 
this stuff can keep you up at night. It can manifest itself physically. It can do all sorts of crazy things. But I have used this to manage my pain. I've used exercise to manage my pain, my happiness, my my um, my weight, uh, my health, every my physical health, and my mental health. And I am a firm believer in in using exercise to get regular endorphin hits. It is a painkiller. It is absolutely a painkiller. I advocate it 100%. I know every doctor would. And so absolutely. That is a big one. And uh, maybe a smaller one. Let's go to smaller one, like dark chocolate. Dark chocolate, eating dark chocolate, scientifically proven, it it releases endorphins too. I don't know how much, what the endorphin count is, but they say it releases endorphins. Things like watching a comedy. You know, this could go back to the laughter thing. You, you watch comedies. Um, you, you, you live in a, you live with a, a, you know, in a family unit that's really entertainingly funny or, or whatnot, things like that. You, you are getting regular endorphin hits. And so if you're depressed or you're struggling with managing pain or whatnot, emotional pain, physical pain, get, expose yourself to these people. Do make a con- conscious effort to expose yourself to those environments that, that bring laughter into your, into your life that it, that motivate you to ec- to exercise. Um and if you don't like exercising, I get it. But what what do you not like more? Do you do you hate exercising so bad you want to just suffer and through pain? Or would you exercise to get a massive endorphin hit to numb the pain? So um, there's just there's just a couple lists, but those are the painkillers. So go I, I I advise, you know, advocate, suggest, go online, look up endorphin, and look up all the natural ways to get an endorphin hit. That is the first horseman. This is the this is the assassin of of pain. And if you think that if you think that doctors are going to be the absolute experts at this, like I just suggested. I'm not a doctor, but they will send you up the ring of medication because that's what they get paid to do. And if those things don't work, so if you are trying the prescribed route of I'm going to see my doctor, he's giving me medication, and now I'm switching medication, and you're on this merry-go-round, this roller coaster of medication, you know, bus transfers, and just getting off one just to get on another and going and just raising up the doses and everything. If you're on that, that, if you're going to that circus and you're in the middle of that circus and you're like, this seems like a crazy house, then you understand. Like, I, I implore you, look for natural ways to do this on your own. Not only, not only are you going to find it more gratifying, you're going to find it a hell of a lot cheaper. It is going to be so much cheaper because doctors get paid to do this. Insurance companies get paid to buy into this. Every, it's a whole system that that does have that is for good and has its purpose, has its place. But it is not the end all be all say all. So if you're not getting the results there, go somewhere else and get results. And I'm saying that from one of my doctors. Anyway, um, let's go on to the next one. The next one I want to address is, is oxytocin. 
I remember reading the articles when they just kind of discovered oxytocin. And um, they discovered it, uh, this chemical that was released during orgasm. You, you got It was the sex chemical. And then they slowly found out, it rolls out that your body experiences oxytocin um, in a variety of number of situations. And in fact, it's, it has been labeled the love, uh, the love hormone, this love chemical. And this love chemical gets released when um, you participate in things like, it's little things like uh, you're, you play with, a, play with a dog or a cat you're, or, or you're, you, know, you hold your baby you, or a baby. Um, it, it comes along with, it gets released when you express physical uh, attention or phys- physical uh, affection, like, you know, giving a hug or holding hands, giving, giving your loved one a kiss. Um, yes, it is massive, massive uh, doses, massive amounts of oxytocin is released when you, when you have sex, um, which is one of the reasons why it's so powerful because and it's, it, it's a it's a massive driver that try to go without sex well, what is the what is that saying uh, sex isn't important until you're not getting it then it's like air <laughs> um, you don't even think about it until you're not getting it anyway um, you also get oxytocin from you know uh, giving a compliment a genuine compliment not a not a two faced compliment, but a genuine compliment. I don't know. Maybe your maybe your brain. I'll have to look that one up. Maybe your brain doesn't know the difference on that either, and you can even give a fake compliment. But oxytocin is this feeling chemical um, you get by by interacting with with other living organisms. That um, it's it's that overall sense of care and affection and love, whether it's brotherly love. Um, love for the human race, I guess, um, or it's uh, love for you know animals. But I try to I try to get regular doses of oxytocin. Um, I I wasn't aware of this chemical growing up either because I got regular doses of oxytocin. I had very affectionate parents, uh, affectionate siblings, and I am so grateful that to have them. And that I was that I was I received massive amounts of regular doses of, of oxytocin, and you know not everyone's getting that out there. Not everyone, not not all the kid, the, these children, or or even adults, um, even know where to get oxytocin or know when it's know when it's released. And if you understand when it, this is released, you can increase your dose your own self you can go out and release this more. And it, I, I love the fact that it, this one is kind of one of those proactive chemicals. Like, it, this, is, this is something that you can do on your own. It doesn't take anybody else. You can, other than, other than you know, somebody else being there or a dog, being there, something, something like that. But it doesn't take action on someone else. They don't have to kiss you. You can get this by kissing them. You can get this by complimenting them. You, you walk into work and you you look at your coworker and look for some a reason to give them a compliment and make them feel good. Hey, I like your shoes. They match your hair. Makes your hair hair look really really good. Those blues that you have in your hair and the blues you have in the shoe that man they they really harmonize your look. This is this is a good thing, man. You got you 
you're balling. You're looking good. And so that will, uh, that, that releases that oxytocin, makes you feel good. Um, I, I mean, this is one of, I would say, the most abundant chemicals out there, hormones out there. I haven't heard of, uh, I've never, I've never talked to somebody. They're like, yeah, my doctor prescribed me oxytocin. I'm getting injections of oxytocin, you know, love hormone. This one, I think most people can, most people usually get, can get very easily and they do. Because even if you're, even if you, you are so insecure, um, let's say you're, you're struggling with weight or timidity or something like that. Even if you're in that bracket well into your adulthood, you can, people still tend to go out and get like a dog and um, they, they, they'll have some friends or family members and, but at least, at least an animal. And this is where you meet these people that their animals are everything to them. They are their children. And so I don't, I used to, um, I used to wonder why that was, but now, now I, I understand, I get it. This animal saves these people. It, it helps these people re- get this regular dose of oxytocin. And so if that's what that is, then man, more power to them, more power to them and better to the dog because <laughs> the dog's going to be happier, happier for it. Anyway, um, that's the, the second horseman. Let's go on to the third horseman. So the third horseman is serotonin. Serotonin is this extremely powerful mood stabilizer. And this is the one that doctors have thrown countless numbers of medications at. Countless billions of dollars have gone into studying and and, um, influencing this chemical because it stabilizes the mode. And it doesn't take a scientist, you know, to look at our society right now in America and realize, or even the, the entire globe, and realize that it seems like that the entire world is not only in a bad mood, but going from happy to bad to... The, the mood, it's like we're bipolar. We're just swinging. One day we're extremely happy. The next day we're extremely sad. Usually on the down end, but this, every it seems like the whole world needs a massive injection of serotonin. But um, this was this chemical is the mood stabilizer. This makes it so. This is what it, they prescribe to people the like bipolar or borderline personality disorder or or, um, you know, even depression, things like that. This serotonin, this, this chemical is so extremely powerful. And, um, I didn't realize growing up that I was also getting doses of this regular doses of this because just by one, by my mother, I attribute it to my mother. Um, and, by my my parents they uh their regular practice of of uh, church services and by um my desire to be out and explore 
I was I was always out and exploring. I, I I never wanted to just be in the house and I mean my bedroom was kind of always a, a place for me just to sleep and well except when I was going through my teens then it was just kind of my own little world that I could control and my, my environment that I control. But the point is is that um so there are nat different ways to get this chemical naturally. Um and this by the way, that being stated, this this is this is the chemical that you're most likely to be regulating, by, that doctors are most likely to be regulating. So if you're getting on and off a train, it's going to be this one. It's going to be the serotonin train. They're going to be sending you up the mountain and down the mountain, and up the mountain and down the mountain, up the mountain, a new route, down the mountain. And then when they all, they're all exhausted, they're going to be like, you know what? You just need to practice meditation and go exercise. <laughs> it's, it's, it's never fails. When they, when they run out of results, they... <laughs> or they'll start over. They'll start over with medication that you've already had. So the first uh, note to add is where endorphins are, you get endorphin release through exercising. That Remember, that's like your cardiovascular system. You get those massive endorphins, endorphins like, you know, doing uh, push-ups, sit-ups, uh, weightlifting, things like that, sprints, things like that. But you get serotonin through aerobic exercises. This is like, you know, biking or swimming or uh, um, running. Um, you get serotonin release by you know, going through walks in nature. And this is, this is like I was telling, telling or said earlier about my mother. My, my mother regularly took us hiking. We were regularly walking through nature. My, I, I had no idea what was going on. Um, and I'd like to think that my mom did. My mom is extremely intelligent. And... She was she was regularly reading and and which one thing I admired about her, but she like now that I see that she was getting us out there in nature, I appreciate that to no end because I have practiced that well into my adulthood. Like I when when people are like I need a break, they need a vacation, I I to me it's I need to go get out and out in nature and calm my mind and it's so soothing to the mood it puts your life back into perspective and nature does that because it grounds you to the earth that that all these petty problems that humans can go through these trees and rocks and rivers and lakes and mountains they've been here long before they'll be here long after and it's grounding. It solidifies you that to be connected to them, and it calms you down that everything's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Um, also, when you do aerobic exercises, you get this arrhythmic influx and outflux of uh, of blood and um, um, hormones through your body as you're doing these aerobic exercises, and it allows your it allows all the fibers in your in your body to like to stretch it gives them man it helps them stretch out of their normal resting dense um um solidified state they can they can flex and stretch and that and renew the cells that um that they're made on but another thing that i found uh, fascinating with with serotonin release is the is that meditating releases this and you can you can look up 
powerful effects of meditating. This is where people get this by going to church. I just want to put that out there for people who, if you're Christian or you're Muslim or you're, you know, whatever, Jew, uh, Jewish or, or whatever religion you are, that regular commune to, uh, to renew your values, okay? So if it's a weekly basis or whatnot, that regular commune to, to meditate by connecting to a higher power that you believe in is that you're getting massive amounts of serotonin release. Because think about this. When the, we'll take Christianity for instance. When the, the let's say single mother, when the single mother her just became a widow and now she's got children she has to take care of and she doesn't know how she's going to feed them, her anxiety levels are through the roof. Her worry is so extreme. Her mood is going to be irritable and depressed and paranoid, all sorts of things. But when she goes to her church and she is she sits in the pew and calms forcefully calms her mind so that she can feel a connection with a higher power and believes when she asks that higher power for for help that this help is going to come and then she is taught she is listening through the hours of of dictation by by the people there that 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 God is going to help help her in her time of need that he will always be there for her this allows her to relax the paranoia and the depression and the worry and to get out of that coping state and more in a state where the reasoning brain can take back over this stabilizes the mood enough to where she can actually properly think about options of what's going on. and if an opportunity were to come down the pike so that she would see it for what it is and take that opportunity and so this this mood stabilizer is extremely powerful and regular i i recommend regular meditation even if you're atheist i don't care what you are if you are if you are human i recommend meditation and if that's it just it's so it's an exercise all in itself just to sit somewhere sit down somewhere and calm your brain Calm the thoughts, calm your mood, allow everything to slow down and, and just be at peace. D stop doing too much. This stabilizes the mood when you do this regularly. Some people, now mind you, some people have, they're so destabilized, their serotonin levels are so messed up. They're so out of balance that they, they need to do this every day maybe every hour they need to they need to go back to that um have that state of meditation or the running or or um even sun exposure getting out in the sun this is a big problem with with myself because i work nights and i i work with people that work nights and and we've discussed many times how how not work or not seeing the sun really throws off the mood you can feel it. You can feel your mood get thrown off. And I know some people are night owls because I'm a night owl as well. I, I like being awake at night. I love working at night. But 
I, when I go out in the day, so like on my day off, I'll go out in the day and I will have, uh, I will have this drawn out sun exposure. I immediately feel this massive injection of serotonin. I can feel my serotonin levels jump and my mood stabilizes and I feel just so much, I feel like euphoric almost because of the, the, what it's doing for me. Um, just being exposed to that sun and walking out in nature and, and getting aerobic exercise in. But this meditation, some people need it more often than just a once a week going to church. And so if just think about your life and think that you, maybe if maybe you need to add some more meditation in your life or maybe you do need to go walk in nature or, or put in some aerobic exercise um, to, to boost your serotonin levels. This is the third horseman. There's a lot of different places that you can get this. Uh, release. And so, uh, yeah, again, go, go online, look up all the things that, you know, your schedule and your lifestyle might be different than mine. And so just go in and look at different ones that will fit your lifestyle. And if there's nothing that will fit your lifestyle, then you might need to change your lifestyle so you can naturally get some serotonin release. Anyway, the fourth horseman, Ooh, the all powerful fourth horseman, this guy is, or woman, is very, very uh, abused, underrated, or maybe not underrated, uh, but very abused. This is the reward chemical, the fourth horseman of dopamine. So when I call dopamine the reward chemical, I'm going into this from the aspect that whenever your brain anticipates a reward, a positive reward, your brain will release dopamine to propel you toward that reward. And then once you get that reward, it will release even more dopamine, telling you that this is the reward and there is nothing better than this. Think about when you are hungry and you, your brain when you're really, really hungry, that's all you can think about. In fact, they got commercials about being hangry because, because you're, you're so hungry. You're angry. And your brain, all your brain can do is think about food. And then the moment you get that food, it tastes so delicious. Even though it might be normally on a normal day, it's pretty me mediocre food. But it tastes so good in that moment because you are just so hungry. It's not because you're just so hungry that that food tastes so good. It's because you have deprived yourself of dopamine, the hit. And when you finally get that satisfaction, the dopamine hit is so much sweeter. It is so much more powerful. It's like when you stop, let's say, drinking alcohol. When you don't drink alcohol, then when you drink a little bit, you get drunk really fast. It's called being a lightweight, right? You become this lightweight. And I, in fact, I pride myself in being a lightweight. I, I love being a cheap date. I love, I love like I can drink one, one vodka, glass of vodka or one beer and I'm done and I'm good. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to spend $400 a night on alcohol to, to get a buzz. And so, but that is because I control that, those levels, but that's how dopamine is. Dopamine, um, you get dopamine from doing little things like taking care of yourself, eating food, 
you get dopamine when you have little wins, like you know you uh, accomplished a, one of your little goals or whatnot. Um, you can, when you like completing a task, like you need to clean your house. I always like, man, when I don't clean my house, I feel depressed. I feel depressed, and when I clean it, I feel so good. It's like my life is back in order. And so that is the dopamine hit. That's that rewards. There's so many scientific studies now about dopamine release and it from everything from your cell phone. Like when you the first thing you do when you wake up is you look at your cell phone. You're that's dopamine driving you. When you hear the ting of the text message, you have a text message dopamine is being released telling you to look at that text message because it could be good it could be something very good it could be bad but um you 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 want to look the anticipation of it and you get dopamine and the reason why i go in dopamine is so powerful because it think about being rewarded most people are going for a very low resolution reward structure. Yeah, most people, when I say low resolution, I mean most people try to, they're getting small, regular doses of dopamine throughout the day. And with a and the the frequency is just increasing. Look at, just sit there and observe somebody. Watch how often, like when they set their cell phone down, watch count how many seconds it takes them before they look at it, before they pick it up, before they pay attention. It's it is usually only a few seconds before somebody is reaching for their cell phone and picking it up, or it's just it, it has never left their hand. They just look at it and unlock it and look at the screen and and flip through some things or whatever. Like it, it can be only a few seconds, and that is because of dopamine. This is this person that is so uh, dopamine dependent that they have to get these regular doses of that dopamine. And this can have very negative effects, horrible negative effects. Um, Another one that can really throw you off is like pornography. Um, Pornography is like the high fructose corn syrup of the brain. It is, obviously pornography is not real sex. But the massive amounts of dopamine that are released when you watch pornography or the anticipation of watching the pornography is, like I said, it is like cocaine. It's like, it's like high fructose corn syrup. It will fatten your brain up with dopamine and it will burn you out, which is why if you've, if you've ever even like gone through watch pornography, you will you'll notice how you end up going into these cycles of having to watch more and more i'd say weirder or or rare or extreme or or uh, novel novel types of of pornography and you will you'll be going down this rabbit hole it's like going through youtube going down the rabbit hole and you don't know how you got there you know you're like how did i end up on this but whoa and so <laughs> but but 
pornography does that. It will burn your dopamine receptors out. And it will make it so that you have this false sense of what real sex is, false sense of what real pleasure is. And I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm I'm not saying that if you watch pornography, this is going to happen. I'm saying these are just the effects that it does on the brain. There are people that are more, uh, they are more, um, what is it? That people that are more dependent upon these, what is it called? Dependent like addictive personalities. There are people that have these, they're so much more, they're so much more easily uh, addicted. And so if you are that personality type, then, or if you, if you're that personality type, the, the odds, and you're an adult, the odds are you already have massive amounts of pornography. You probably go through massive amounts of pornography. Um, if that is the case, I recommend like, wake up, look at the negative effects that it's having on your life and try to cleanse yourself of the massive amounts of dopamine and how you can do that. This is the, this is the chemical that I would say that people get too much of out of all the other horsemen, the love hormone, the painkiller hormone and the serotonin, um, in mood stabilizer, like, um, the, like those three horsemen, I look at people and like, man, you're probably not getting enough of that. Whereas dopamine, I feel is like the leading horseman. He has overtaken, he has overpowered the three other horsemen. This guy, dopamine has just, he's the best salesman out there. He is, he is in everybody's home, man. He is, this guy is setting up in everyone's network. Like this guy, this guy is the hustler. He, he is so powerful. He's got everyone convinced that he is the shit and that you can just have as much of him as you want and life, that's what makes life. And I'm telling you, try going without dopamine. I, I call these dopamine cleanses. Uh, there's, there's lots of information on them, um, YouTube videos on them, Google it. But cleansing your dopamine uh, receptors is so important and I'll tell you why. Let's say you want to complete a task. Let's say you want to start a business. Let's say you want to go on a uh, change your life completely. You want to be a become a completely different person. Have a completely different trajectory for your life. If you are a slave to dopamine and the regular cycles of dopamine hits that you get, those that is wind blowing against you. Now watch this. If we take those, if you cleanse yourself of dopamine and the way you cleanse yourself of dopamine is you do everything you possibly can in a day or a period of time. So let's say, um, let's say uh, 24 hours to not get a dopamine hit. So that means you're eating very low stimulating foods. So you're not getting a low amounts of sugar and things like that. You're not, or sodium, you're very low stimulating foods or even fasting, go on a fast. Um, 
you are not watching any media. You're not, you're, you're not engaging in any like electronics or anything like that because the, those are designed to activate your dopamine sensors. It's, it, you're just relaxed and meditating throughout the day or, or just kind of keeping a very calm low day, okay? And what this does is this helps your body's dopamine uh, or your adrenal glands to calm down. It allows them to calm down and relax. And then when you get a little stimulus, it's like getting a little bit of alcohol when you haven't drinking any, it gets you really drunk. So when you get a little bit of dopamine, it, it makes you feel good. And so this is when, when you go through this dopamine cleanse, this is when you want to start achieving things of your, your, your goals. So knocking out that PowerPoint presentation. Uh, doing that, completing that class on coding, um, going to that real estate um, um, performance course. In there, you're going to get the dopamine hit and it is going to propel you to be very successful in that endeavor. It is going to propel you, you're going to enjoy work again. You're going to enjoy completing that task again. And that way, and don't let the, don't let the dopamine flood back into your life by by going back to the old your old habits. You want to keep that the the wind be at your sails so it propels you forward, and that will drive you into succeeding in your dreams. It will drive you in, into becoming a successful person. People, there are people that do this naturally. There are other people they really really struggle with dopamine dependence. I, I highly recommend look up dopamine cleanse, look up dopamine dependence. I've talked about dopamine in the past, but I didn't know that it was one of the four horsemen and I didn't know it was, it was the most powerful probably. That one, then serotonin, uh, your endorphins, oxytocin, people are getting a, a regular uh, amount of. I believe, firmly believe that if we would have learned, if we would have taught these four chemicals as children in grade school, in middle school, in high school, if we would have learned more about these, I would have been better at math. I would have been better at, at, at English. I would have been better. I would have, I would have just been an overall better student because I would have known how to hack my chemicals. And so to me, this is more important teaching our children. Becoming aware of these is more important, single-handedly more important than any piece of information of, of th that you could get. I mean, not every, any piece of information, but the majority of all the information you can get because through this information of these chemicals, you can literally hack your own biology to helping you be happier, more successful, more calm, regular, controlled, stable mood. This is, is this not what everyone wants? Anyway, if you think that this will not have a direct effect on your finances, if you like wake up, it, it absolutely will. Controlling these four horsemen and letting them drive you into success will affect your bottom line. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you listening to this, uh, this podcast. It was a long one. And I mean, we had a lot to cover, but I look forward to, to hearing from you again. Look forward to you listening. And if you have any suggestions, by all means, um, you can email me at Karnak Legacy 
Carnac.com. Karnak as in the Egyptian site, legacy as in, you know, your grandfather's legacy at gmail.com. Email me your suggestions. Let me know what you think. Um, I read every single one and um, some, some of my topics have been proposed through that. Anyway, this is Didi Sinti Capri signing off.